Welcome to the Reaching Forward Podcast. My name is Pastor Adam Bigelow, and we would like to present to you this evening, Got Power? Got Power? And we want to look at Ephesians chapter 2. So you probably already realized that by clicking on it, right? But I want to ask you a question, and it should be on the notes. Where are you? Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would speak to our hearts by your word and bless us in Jesus' name. Where are you? A little girl was praying before bed. Please, God, bless mommy and daddy, and and please make Orlando the capital of Florida. Amen. The mother said, honey, why did you ask God to make Orlando the capital of Florida? And the little girl said, well, mommy, it's simple. That's what I wrote on my geography quiz this morning. There was a teacher that asked a a little girl named Maria to point out America on the world map. And so Maria said, this is it. Teacher said, well done. And then she said, now class, who can tell me who found America? And in unison, the class said, Maria did. Now, a lot of times we think that if we're not happy, we can go somewhere else and get happy. If we don't have joy in our life, the answer lies across a border somewhere. And yes, I live close to Disneyland. The answer is at Disney, right? Well, you know what? We all need times of recreation. If you divide up that word and see where it came from, it's to recreate. It's to, to air out. And those are blessings. Those are wonderful times. But truly to change our lives... A geographical change is not what we need. We need to ask another question. Where are you and where is Jesus? Where are you and where is Jesus? Jesus walking by the seaside saw Peter and Andrew and he said unto them, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it said that that Peter and, and Andrew just forsook their nets. And followed him. Now, if where we are and where Jesus is is the same place, that's where you've got power. And let's look at verses 1, 2, and 3. Ephesians chapter 2, this is what God brought us from. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The Bible said that sins will, in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 25, your sins will withhold good things from you. Sins won't bless you. And in verse 2, it says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. That means not the earth and the, 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 the dirt and the water, but the social order of the world. And if, in case you haven't checked lately, the social order of the world doesn't really match up with the Bible, okay? That's it. That's, anyway. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So the problem is the wrong spirit in hearts we see from the, the, the word of God. Among whom also we all had our conversation. Paul's even including himself. And yes, the pastor also got saved and had to change and get Christ where he was. That's me. Among whom also we all had our conversation the way we lived. In times past, in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as 
others. The problem was in the nature. That's why you click over to those things on the phone. That's why you put certain things in your body or do certain things. Uh, It's because we're just fulfilling the desires of our heart. But the Bible says that we have the wrong nature. We have the wrong spirit. And what we need is we need to put Christ in our life. Verses, verse 4 begins to tell us of a solution. Where are you to put Jesus where you are? And if Jesus is where you are, guess what? This goes without saying, you are where Jesus is. Let's find out where Jesus is. But God, in verse 4, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. I like this. He's rich in mercy. There's a song that said, I'm rich in grace and hope and love. I've got more than my share. I'm moving to a mansion just over in glory where I'm a rightful heir. When you're rich, you have a lot of something. The Bible said that God is rich in mercy. You know, even to your case, you're listening to this. You don't think that God has enough mercy to change your life. It said he's rich in mercy and he's great in love. And he put an action when God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He let him die on a cross that whosoever believeth him in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In verse 5, even when we were dead in sins. Say, well, preacher, as long as there's life, there's hope. Well, we were dead in sins. But good news is, God just doesn't come to make bad men good men, but dead men, live men. Hath quickened or made us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And in verse 6, notice what he does. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He made us do what? Sit. Have you ever been over to someone's house to eat? What do they tell you to do? Go to the kitchen and work. No, maybe wash your hands, right? But sit. Sit. What? They prepared. You're invited. When God makes a salvation for invitation, it's for you to come sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It has all been prepared. And so, well, preacher, how did I get up there spiritually? Well, moving is work, isn't it? Have you ever moved? When your wife, say, was pregnant and you were moving to the second floor, that was me. Over six years ago, luckily we hired a moving company, right? The mover looked just like me. Actually, he was wearing my shoes, right? That was a lot of work. Well, the Bible says that he raised us. It's the work of God. God doesn't need our help. He just needs our permission. It, where are you? Say, Jesus called, or God called out to Adam. He said, where art thou? And you know what? If we can put God where we are, then God will raise us up to where he is. And it's a simple act of faith to allow him into our heart. In verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. There's those riches again, where the streets have made with gold in that heavenly city. In his kindness toward us, Through Christ Jesus. It's where Jesus is that counts. It's where Jesus is that counts. Verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. This is an oft-quoted scripture. It's good to know. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. 
For by grace, that unmerited favor of God, ye are saved through faith, through trust in Christ, not through water baptism, not through paying your tithe, not through attending church, through faith in Jesus Christ, that Jesus paid the price for our sins, and that he was raised from the dead, and you believe those things, and you confess him as your Lord, and you'll be saved. And it's the gift of God. Well, what happens? There's a transfer of power. Now that Jesus has come in, a new spirit's come in, right? So the old one's got to go. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13, it said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know, I love Krispy Kremes. Krispy Kreme shall not have dominion over you. Like that man that was, you know, going by Krispy Kreme, he knew he needed to lose some weight, but you know when the, that red light is on. Uh, you know, he, he saw the red light flashing, you know, fresh donuts. And so he's like, ooh, God, if you want me to buy a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts, make the closest parking spot to the front door open. Because it was a crowded parking lot. He could see it. So he drove into the parking lot and the spot by the door was open after he drove around the store 57 times. You see, but when God comes in, Krispy Kremes will no longer have dominion over you. The Bible said sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Why? Because God works from the inside out. It might not look like you got saved. But you see, man works from the outside in. We, we see magazines and different things of very attractive people on the outside. They might be strong men or beautiful women. But God works from the inside out. The Bible said that, that, he, that God looks on the heart. And that's where God does his work. The Bible says in verse 9, Not of works, lest any man should boast. If we're going to glory, we're, we're going to boast. Let me tell you, if you want to boast, glory in the Lord, the apostle said. If you want to boast, tell someone about something God has done in your life. Glorify Jesus and let them know that God can do the same thing in theirs. God's not worn out. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. When Christ comes into your life, he goes to work. The word workmanship comes from a Greek word poema. And if you follow that all the way down, it's where we get the word poem. And But it originally means something that is made. You know that man is God's master creation? That it was lost. That creation was marred when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, but it was restored through Jesus Christ's sinless birth, life, and then death on the cross. And man can be restored, that blood that Christ shed. For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The blood that Christ shed gives us an opportunity to have a payment for our sins and accept what Jesus did on the cross as our payment for sin, not only our payment, but our deliverance from sin. Man is God's master creation if Christ is in us. That's the workmanship of God. God's poema, if you please. This was inscribed, uh, I read, uh, in the crypt of Westminster Abbey on an Anglican bishop's tomb. 
And it, write, it reads, when I was young and free and my imagination had no limits, I dreamed of changing the world. As I grew older and wiser, I discovered the world would not change. So I shortened my sights somewhat and decided to change only my country. But it too seemed immovable. As I grew into my twilight years in one last desperate attempt, I settled for changing only my family, those closest to me. But alas, they would have none of it. And now I realize that as I lie in my deathbed, if I had only changed myself first, then by example, I might have changed my family from their inspiration and encouragement. I would then have been able to better my country. And who knows? I might have even changed the world. Is that really written on a crypt in Westminster Abbey? I don't know. But I do know that there's a ring of truth to it, isn't it? We have to put Jesus in ourselves before we can help get Jesus in someone else. Where are you? Where's Jesus? In verse 11, Jesus came not only for us, but for all, not just for the Jews. Yes, he's king of the Jews. But Jesus came to deliver the world for God so loved the world. Verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, non-Jews, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. So the Jews would call everyone who wasn't a Jew the uncircumcision. And it was kind of a, you know, we're better than you thing. You know that little kids have a hard time sharing. Well, people have a hard time sharing God too. Even though the Bible says that we're all made of one blood, right? But the Bible says that that at the time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. You know that the Jews had to learn that you have to share Christ. Sharing means you don't get to keep Jesus all to yourself. In the Gospels, Peter, the disciple who was Jewish, and Jesus was Jewish. Jesus began to show unto his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, beginning in verse 21, how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Notice what Peter did. Peter took him. Can you imagine Peter grabbing Jesus? And began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Well, what was Peter really concerned about? Well, part of Peter didn't want Jesus to leave the disciples because whenever Jesus was around, things worked out for the disciples, right? There was food, you could walk on water, and all the enemy's questions were answered. But Jesus, in order to be a blessing to the whole world, would have to leave the disciples for a little while. And notice Jesus said, unto Peter, get behind me, Satan. That, that, under, that misunderstanding of why Jesus really came to die, not just for the Jews, but for the whole world, for all mankind, to restore us because of the blood that he shed, make us near, all of us, by the blood of Christ. And Peter didn't get it. 
Later in the book of Acts, Peter uh, was sent to a non-Jew, Cornelius, a centurion. And after, it's a long lesson, you can read Acts chapter 10 and check it out. But Peter, when he got to this place and preached the gospel to non-Jews, to Gentiles, Peter opened his mouth in verse 34 of Acts chapter 10. He said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. And he began to preach. And as he preached, the Bible says in verse 44, while Peter spake yet these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Not just the Jews. You see, there were Gentiles, non-Jews. And the Bible said, and they of the circumcision or the Jews which believed were astonished. Why were they astonished? Because they didn't know that this gospel was for the whole world. They just thought it was for Jewish believers. It was a revelation. You ever had a revelation? Well, they did. (laughs) As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's the whole gospel for the whole world. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and that's one of the evidences of the Holy Ghost baptism. You speak with another another tongue, another language. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? So they hadn't been baptized in water yet, which has received the Holy Ghost as well as we. Jesus still does fill with the Holy Ghost, and he fills all that would accomplish Faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to give power to all. Verse 14, and he came to give us peace for all. Where he comes, there's power. Where Jesus comes, there's peace. Verse 14, for he is our peace. And it's a peace that passes all understanding. Who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. I remember reading about Billy Graham who preached when they, uh, some years ago when they, uh, in the uh, congregation, and this is somewhere in the South, it may have been Florida, I don't remember the illustration, many years ago, and there was a place for black people and a place for white people, and they were sectioned off. Well, Billy Graham went and physically broke down the barrier, like that guy's got some guts. What was he saying? He said, I'm not going to preach to a segregated audience. I'm going to preach the gospel to the whole world. I'm going to preach them to to people as people. You know, that's what Jesus did for us. And if you don't love someone because their skin is a different color, you have a problem with God because God loves the whole world and looks on the heart. You can't harbor those prejudices and and racism if you're a Christian. And that includes all kinds of racism. Jesus breaks those down those walls. We're all one in Christ, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances. For to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. We're all saved by the same blood of Jesus, having slain the enmity thereby and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off. And to them that were nigh, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you come to God through Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed on the cross. One cross, one Jesus, one faith, one Lord, 
One baptism uniting us all. You see, it's really what you do with sin that shows where you are. When it comes down to it, what do we do with sin? What do we do with our nature? Well, preacher, I just drown it. You know, some people do. They drown it, uh, their sin with with alcohol and drugs and such like. And, And maybe some people deflect it. You see, it was this one's fault, or it was the way I grew up, or it's my, my lousy job, or my lousy spouse, or, or my lousy living conditions. Anyone but me. Some people just deny it. You know, the blindest person you ever will see is not someone who can't see physically. It's someone who refuses to see. But you see, what we really need to do with sin is not drown it, not deflect it, not deny it, but dissolve it. Have you ever seen those, those old commercials with Dawn and it drips that one drop of Dawn and all the grease parts? You see, only the blood of Jesus dissolves the power of sin. We need to stop trying and start accepting Jesus. And when Jesus comes to where we are, man, you can pray and sing praises to God up in a Philippian jail as Paul did and Silas did. Not that they were comfortable physically, But joy unspeakable and full of glory belongs to where the power of Christ is. Verse 18, for through him, through Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. You see, that's where the power is, a new spirit in us. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all things are of God. Verse 19, now therefore you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You get saved. If Ozzy Osbourne gets saved, and maybe he is, man, I'd hug him like a brother. Well, during COVID-19, I'd give him an elbow like a brother, right? Elbow to elbow. But I, 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 he'd be just as saved as me. Tattoos, wild hair, slurred speech, cool accent, all the same. I'm not more saved than he is if he comes to Jesus Christ by his blood. You're not more saved over the years, right? God might deal with your heart about different things, but you get saved through the blood of Jesus, not of your works. It's the gift of God. And in verse 20, you're built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. One plants, another waters, but God gives the increase, doesn't he? It's God that gives the increase. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. There you go. Through the Spirit. God's Spirit in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I, I got a question. Got power? If the answer is no, where are you? Preach, I'm in my car. <laughs> I'm at work. No, I mean, where, where are you spiritually? You see, because if you're seat, Jesus wants to make you to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where's Jesus? Christ in you brings you power. Christ in you allows you to sit and just have peace. Do you have peace? God has the power to bring you peace through Christ. The Bible said we're his workmanship. God begins to work on you, in you, through you. Let me leave you with a poem. 
That's where we get the word poem, a poema from the Greek word workmanship. Forget each kindness that you do as soon as you have done it. Forget the praise that falls to you the moment that you have won it. Forget the slander that you hear before you can repeat it. Forget each slight, each spite, each sneer whenever you may meet it. Remember every kindness done to you, whatever its measure. Remember praise by others won and pass it on with pleasure. Remember every promise made and keep it to the letter. Remember those who lend you aid and be a grateful debtor. Let me tell you, I've had a lot of help as I walked for the Lord. I've had a lot of pastors, preachers, brothers. Uh, Reverend Jones, one of my uh, great mentors I've had uh, in this, in this uh, walk with God. I'm very thankful for many of you helping me out in God. My first pastor, Pastor Medrano. Uh, my current pastor, Pastor Olson. Uh, Pastor Keckle, Pastor Kinson, I'm sorry if I haven't said your name. I'm thankful. You've been such a blessing to my life. And so many brothers and so many sisters help us to find out who we are in God. They help us to understand God's word. They help us to know that we can sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. To know what our benefits are in Jesus. To know our security and the love of Christ to know to put Jesus in the right place. Where are you? Where's Jesus? Today, if you can sit in Christ in heavenly places, God can give you peace. So preacher, how do I get to God? It's easy to do, but it's difficult, isn't it? To say, God, I'm just surrendering my life to you. I want you to make something of it. We buy uh, puzzles sometimes, my wife and I, and we buy used ones because they're cheaper. And sometimes they're missing a piece, right? And uh, we just made one, and it was missing one piece. And man, it sticks out, right? The picture's not all there. But isn't that the way it is with us? God wants all the pieces. And that one piece can prevent... That picture from being, it's a complete surrender to God. Here, here's that other piece I was holding. I was holding it kind of in my pocket. Give him all the pieces. He'll make a beautiful picture. God is able. Got power? It's through Christ. God bless you is our prayer. Hope to see you Sunday. Come by if you're in Florida. And if you think Orlando is the capital of Florida, Really pray, because until God does something, it's still going to be Tallahassee. Okay, God bless you is our prayer. Bye.